So we're going to learn, God willing, um, two teachings of the Maggid. And on this week's Torah portion, Parshat Yeshev, which is also very relevant to um, the 19th of Kislev, the celebration of the Rebbe's redemption from prison. The Torah begins this week by saying that Yaakov lived the Eretz and in the land where his father sojourned in the land of Canaan. So the Magid comments and says, the word Vayesh of Yaakov, Yaakov lived in the land, was settled in the land, is emblematic of Yaakov's being in touch with earthiness, being enmeshed with earthiness, going all the way down. And the land of Canaan further indicates an even lower descent because Canaan in, in general the Torah is associated with um, dishonesty. Canaan Mirma says in a verse that the Canaanite had in his hand um, a, a dishonest scales. So it's not just going down into earthiness, it's going down to a place of dishonesty, a place of lies. So what's Yaakov doing there? Why is Yaakov going down to this earthy, dishonest place of lies? So the Magid gives two explanations. One, the first explanation is the word Megureyav, which means the place his father lived. He says the, word, the words Megurey also comes from the word Magur. Magur means to be afraid. So Yaakov goes into an earthy place, but he, the purpose of his going to this place is to, um, is to express how he's able to still maintain his reverence for God. He could be in an earthy place, be in an earthy, dishonest place. And despite his being in this earthy, dishonest place, he's still able to maintain his reverence for Hashem, his meguri of his reverence for his Father in Heaven. That's one explanation. Another explanation is, meguri means to gather. Yaakov goes to an earthy place, why is he going to this earthy place? He's going there to gather. What is he meant to gather? He's going to gather the sparks of holiness which are, which are in the physical. So these two explanations are very different. The first explanation of the Mzitche Magad is that Yaakov's purpose is for himself, meaning he is meant to, um, to reveal how he's going to remain steadfast in his fear of God despite the challenges of being in an earthy, dishonest place. So it's about the soul, the soul's achievement, its purpose of Yaakov's, Yaakov's arrival to this world is for Yaakov's, or not just in this world, but the place of dishonesty, the place of, of ugliness and deceit. Why is Yaakov there? It's, for the, it's inward, it's for the soul's own benefit, it's for the soul's, soul's elevation. And the second explanation is very different. Yaakov's purpose is not for himself. Yaakov's purpose is for the world to elevate the sparks of godliness in the world. So, there is a known truth about the Torah that all explanations of one verse have a connection to each other. We see this by the laws of shatness, the laws of the prohibition of wool and linen. What is the meaning of the Torah's prohibition of wool and linen? At what state is it prohibited? So the Torah uses the word shatness, and the Talmud comments that the word shatness is made up of, made up of three words, shua tavinus, which means to be combed and spun and woven together, and only if the, the, it's attached and spun and uh, 
woven together, then is it considered prohibited. But if only is one of the three, it's not. So definition of shyness is not just that one of those three explanations, but it's all three. Because when you have three explanations of a word, it, all three were all three explanations are connected to each other. They have to all be three. You have to all be three to be prohibited. Yeah. So it has to. If it's just, if it's just one, it's okay. So uh, just comb together. It's just spun together. It's okay. So just be attached. So similarly, in the Magid's two explanations of this verse, you have to say that there's a connection to them between them. But it seems that they're not just not connected. They're they're opposites. One is about that his purpose is for himself. And the other is his purpose is for the world. His purpose is for his own personal spiritual elevation, or his purpose is to elevate the world. So, you understand the question? So to understand this, we first have to explain a little bit more about the soul's elevation through coming to this world. We're saying that Yaakov goes to this world and he's meant to maintain, the purpose of his ascent is to maintain his reverence for God. What does that mean? What does the soul achieve? by descending to this world? What does the soul gain? So, one of the things the soul gains that come to this world is the soul becomes a Baal Teshuvah. What's a Baal Teshuvah? Baal Teshuvah is someone who has, who has gone off the beaten path and despite being in a state of disenchantment and separation and uh, making all kinds of decisions that, that seem to totally sever the soul's bond with God, Yet the soul becomes a Baal Teshuvah. The soul's connection with God is infinite. And because it's infinite, no matter what has happened, the soul's always able to return. Why can it return? Because there's an infinite connection to God. So while the soul's in heaven, the soul also serves God. The soul has love for God in heaven. The soul has reverence for God in heaven. The soul prays to God. The soul studies God's Torah in heaven. The soul's doing lots of wonderful things in heaven. However, while the soul's in heaven, you don't see the magnitude of the soul's attachment to God because it's not being challenged. When do you see the infinite bond of a Jew to God? It's specifically when the soul arrives here. Much as the Baal Shuvah, in his return to God, you see that there's an infinite bond that he has with God. So even in heaven, the soul is also serving God, but you don't see the infinite bond. Where do you see the infinite bond to God? It's specifically when it, um, when it is challenged by being in this world. And despite being in this world, it still is close to God. It's still... Um, yearns and does things to bring it to become one with God. As the Altarev writes in chapter 30 in Tanya, that whenever you do a mitzvah or learn Torah, you should feel like you're bringing your soul back to the bosom of, your, of, of her father in heaven. Like the gives example of a, of a prince who is in prison and the father misses the son and the son is working so hard. And then the father summons his son back, and the son is now Yates Lachav Shel He goes free to his father's home. Can you imagine the joy of the father and son when they reunite? That's how we're supposed to view every time you do a mitzvah, every time you do a Torah. You're reuniting, you're becoming one with your father in heaven. What a celebration. That's the, that's the magnitude, that's the majesty that the soul achieves by being in this world. It, it reveals its infinite bond with God. There's another achievement that the soul achieves, by, that the soul um, gets uh, in this world specifically and does not have in the higher world. The soul is meant to perform Torah and mitzvahs to make this world a home for God. Take a dirb 
the achievement of making the world a home for God is something which is supernatural. Why is it supernatural? Because the world, the word, definition of the word world, world means concealment. So in order to go against the grain and, that, and, and the friction of the world's natural state of being a state of concealment of values, and despite it being a state of concealment, pushing and going against that and, and making the world a home for God, it's supernatural. So it requires a divine power to transform the world. To make the world a home for God requires something infinite. So because the soul is facilitating this, we have to say the soul also gets in touch, so connects with this infinite power. So that means what the soul receives by coming to this world, making the world a home for God, is something far beyond than what it had before. In the first uh, achievement that we're discussing, that when the soul comes to the world, you see its powerful bond with God. That's not something new. That's natural. The soul has a natural, infinite bond with God. It doesn't want to let it go. In language, the Alter Rebbe, the Jew does not want and cannot sever his bond with God. So the fact that the Jew maintains his connection to God, doesn't let go, that's natural. It's infinite, but it's natural. You don't see it in heaven, but you, you do see it in this world. So the soul comes to the world, Meguri it. it comes to the earthiness and lowliness, and it maintains its reverence uh, for Hashem. Wow, that's special. You see here it's infinite connection to God. But it's not something new, it's not something that was added that the soul didn't have before. It's merely an exposure, it's revelation of what the soul had the whole time. However, in the soul's mission to make this world a home for God, in that transformation, in that challenge, the soul needs to summon something higher. The soul needs to employ something divine, something infinite the soul didn't have before. So the soul has to get in touch with something that is beyond what the soul is. And how does the soul get in touch with that? How does the soul suddenly employ this divine power that it didn't have before? The soul receives this power specifically by committing itself to the mission. What is the soul? The soul is a holy, godly being that likes to be attached, likes to be pure, likes to be close to God, likes to be in a, in a sublime, beautiful state. So for the soul to leave that all aside and to focus on what God wants, make this world a home for God, that's going beyond itself. That's something which is infinite. That's something which is not, that's something which is, which is, which is not just infinite. The soul's connection to God is also infinite. But this is, a, this, is a, this is what allows God's infinite power to become absorbed in the soul in a way the soul can now change the world. The reason the soul is able to change the world is because the soul is, the soul is able to receive this supernatural power of God is because the soul also is going beyond its own nature. So it means, that means that there's two different stages in the soul's descent to the world. There's two different parts of the soul's elevation. One part is the soul descends to the world and the soul maintains what it did in heaven and in order to maintain what it did in heaven it has to it has to uh, resort to summoning its deepest self, its infinite self. It has to it has to expose its infinite bond with God. That's stage one. But then there is something else. Not just the soul is not just maintaining what it did in heaven. The soul has to focus downwards and focus on learning Torah and doing mitzvahs in this physical world. In order to elevate the physical world and be involved in the world, the soul has to suspend what it wants 
and go against what it wants and to do what God wants. This all has to have in the language of Chassidus, Hanachas Hatzmusay, to completely put itself on the side and to follow what God wants. And that devotion to God, to follow what God wants, the soul is elevated. And that's the connection between these two translations, these two explanations of the Zitcha Magad. Magad said that Yaakov lived in the land of Canaan, Yaakov settled the land of Canaan, in the land of Meguri Yavid, in the land of his fatherland. So what's Magad's first explanation? How do we understand the Magad's first explanation? Good morning. First explanation of the Magad was Yaakov is in a place of earthiness, Yaakov is in a place of deceit. Yaakov is in a state of confusion, and despite Yaakov being in, in this state, Yaakov still maintains his, his fear of having. But let's go deeper. It's not just that Yaakov maintains, not just the soul stays whole, it's the soul does something brand new. The soul now is requested to suspend what it wants to do and to focus on what God, on what God wants it to do. The soul is now asked to do something completely above its nature and to focus on making the world a home for God. So the soul is asked to have a different kind of fear of heaven, a different kind of devotion to God. So it's not that the soul is maintaining what it had before, it's that the soul is now, um, cre- the soul is now forced to create a different kind of reverence for God. Chassidus talks about bittel, and there's, there is quality of bittel, and there's quantity of bittel. In quantity, the soul has more bittal in heaven. The soul is an angelic being, and it's totally, it's, let's say this. In our prayers, we say every, in, on, on, on Rosh Hashanah, on, on holidays, on Rosh Chodesh, uh, not Rosh Chodesh, on our holidays, we say in the pray, our prayers, we cannot go up to Jerusalem and bow down to you. We could, why not? Go to Jerusalem, bow down to Hashem. Why can't you go to Jerusalem, bow down? And the answer is, you may physically bow down, but when you went to the temple, you saw God's presence in the temple, it was a different kind of bowing down. There was an inner bowing down. You were completely overwhelmed by the experience. There was a total devotion to God. You were swept away. Some quantity, your, every fiber of your being was taken by that experience. In quantity, your whole self, the, your bitterly devotion to God, it, it enveloped you. Think about being in heaven, like being in the face of, being the presence of Hashem, seeing Hashem. Imagine what that does to you. So in quantity, it's bigger. However, in quality, being in this world is a much greater bit. When the soul, when the base of Mingus is destroyed, and Jews are sent to Gullahs, and Jews right before Mashiach comes are meant to show up and do what Hashem wants them to do, despite them not getting the majesty and the magnitude of putting on film, what it means to put on a talus, what it means to get stuck, what it means to daven, without knowing really what it means. And, and there are a lot of other things, other things that are lure us to, that are, that are trivial. And for us to ignore all those things and to focus on what Hashem wants anyways, what is that? That's something that is a different kind of quality of, of, of reverence for God. That's something which is deeper. That's something which is higher. Something which the soul doesn't have in heaven. It's a different kind of devotion to God the soul doesn't have before. And this new devotion to God, the soul, only has, when it comes to this world, this devotion to God is what allows the soul to make a difference in this world. To create a change in the world, the soul has to have an infinite power. The world needs to have a godly divine power beyond what the soul possesses in heaven. 
So because the soul suspends what it wants in favor of what God wants, the soul receives this infinite power, this, this power of Hashem, and now the soul is able to make a difference in the world. Because the soul gives its all, and more than its all, to do what Hashem wants, the soul will receive something in. So that's the, now we understand the connection between these two uh, translations of the verse according to Magi. The first translation of the verse is, Yaakov is in earthiness, Yaakov is in the place of deceit, and he is in the place yet, a new kind of fear of heaven, Megure Yavim, it's a different kind of reference for God, it's a different kind of devotion to God, it's a whole new thing, it's not just it's the soul's maintaining what it had before, the soul has something brand new and never had before, a new kind of reverence, a new kind of devotion the soul never knew of before, the soul couldn't have known before, not just that to keep what you have here, to, it's not just it's not just that the soul is maintaining what it had before in heaven. That also expresses something infinite. It's that the soul is trying to do what God wants it to do. The soul is looking out for what God wants. In that, in that um, activity, the soul goes beyond the soul. The soul becomes something other than a soul. The soul receives something infinite beyond what a soul is. And the soul letting go of what it wants, to what God wants, the soul, the soul is now going beyond itself. And that's why the second translation of the Mag is, what is it? Yaakov went to the land of his father, Meguri Yavim, to gather the sparks. How can you gather the sparks? How can you change the world? How can you make such a, how can you affect the world? It's, it's, it's unnatural. It's, against, it's going against the grain. It's because you also discover something that's beyond you. Because you went beyond you, therefore you receive this divine power to, to change the world. I just was thinking... This is something that for the divine soul to focus on what God wants it to do and not do what it wants to do requires amazing devotion to God. The soul to, to give up its natural yearning to, you know, to be in a state of holiness and comfort, to leave its comfort zone, to go after what God wants it to do, to go out in the world and make a difference, that's something which, which, is, uh, which, is, which, is, which is heavy for the soul, it's hard for the soul. But I was also thinking that there are many other things that may be heavy for us that, um, that also require us to go beyond ourselves, even though they're not so holy, right? What I was thinking was, we were learning yesterday, how the time before the 19th of Kislev, this time that we're in right now before the 19th of Kislev, it represents a time of being in prison. That means that the, the Alter Rebbe isn't freed yet, the altar is in the hands of the Gentiles. And so to on a personal level, that means that you're in the hands of Gentiles, that you are encumbered and surrounded by things that are not what you naturally want to be. So what are you supposed to do in that state? So if a person um, sees themselves in the darkness, they make mistakes, the altar says, the altar has two kinds of discourses. He has that discourses from before Petersburg, Discourses from after Petersburg. Before he was in prison, he had one kind of discourse, full of light and revelation, but just like shock and awe, things you couldn't process and internalize so much. And he had discourses after he was in prison, as the Rebbe Rashab said, when the olive is crushed, the oil comes out, because the altar was, was in prison, he had a new kind of revelation of Torah they didn't have before. If you see just physically the kind of discourse, you can count the pages, they're just different kinds of discourse, it's different, different structure. No, specifically through his imprisonment that he had this new kind of, kind of, uh, revelation to put it into into logic, but there's something to be said about teachings before Petersburg as well. Something about the incredible light that they had. 
So what do you say in this discourse? This discourse is based on the on the verse. The discourse, please. The The she does not allow her candle to extinguish at night. Says the Alter Rebbe. Although a person is in a state of night, he sees that he's not learning the way he's supposed to. He's not doing the way he's supposed to. He's not doing things he's supposed to do. What do you want to do when, you, when, you, when you're failing? When you're failing, you can't show up. Because since you're doing stuff for you, I'm doing stuff for me. So when I feel I'm a failure, why am I doing this? I'm, I'm not good at this. That's what you feel when you're a failure. Why am I doing this? I'm not good at this. But the unique quality of a, of a Jew is, even when I sit in darkness, God is my light. I don't think about what I want and how it makes me feel. I, I only meant, Alter says, is to show up with the good that I have to do what God wants. And to show up with the good, all we're meant to do, says Alter Rebbe, is to show, is to do it, focus what God wants you to do with the good that you have. You have good. Hashem early. God is my light, even though I sit in darkness. Even though I'm still in prison with all this stuff going around and all, around me and the stuff inside me, it's complex and mistakes that I make. So I may think, okay, so what am I supposed to do now? Says the Alter Rebbe, what's unique about a Jew? When a Jew is not allowed his candle to be extinguished, no matter what's going on, he still shows up to do what Hashem wants, despite the fact that, that he's making these, that he has these failures. The, the reason we have failures is because we also focus on ourselves, and therefore we, we, we don't do what God wants us to do. And then once we have the failures, then we say, okay, so why should I do this? I'm a failure. But forget about all that. Forget about that. Focus on Avi. Focus on what, on what God wants you to do. And show up, says Al-Tareb, with the good that you have to what Hashem wants you to do. Don't think about you. Think about what Hashem wants you to do. Such an emancipating thought. This, I think this is also from the Al-Tareb, but it's not in the same discourse, but it's also from the same section of our prayers, Eishas Chayel, the woman of valor. She sees the going on in her home, and she does not eat the bread of laziness. Says the Alter Rebbe, the soul sees the going on in her home. What's the home of the soul? The home of the soul is coming Mashiach. The home of the soul is resurrection of the dead. The home of the soul is Terimitsis. So the soul is to focus on the home. What happens when you focus on the home? You think about coming Mashiach. Lechem atzis l'seichel, you don't get lazy about your job. And you realize it empowers you. Look, I've got to focus on the job and make this happen. You pay attention when the soul looks at, at the future and where it needs to get to it empowers the soul to be lifted up and not, not to get lazy which brings us to another teaching of, of Mzitsha Magid Magid famously was a school teacher and he was living in dire poverty and an emissary the Balshantav came to visit him and send him regards to the Balshantav so the Magid is very excited to see this emissary but he's in the middle of teaching he asks him to come back again and again share what the Balshantav had said and he comes into Magid's home and he sees the dire poverty, how he has this big stone which is used as a table and used as his bed. And there are other stones which use as chairs. And it's, it's such dire poverty, the guy is shocked and he says to the Mzitsha Magid, he says to him, how do you live like this? And the Magid says, what do you mean? You're here too. How do I live like this? You're here too. The guy says, this, I'm just here for a day. My home, things are different. So the Magid says, yes, in my home, things are different too. Meaning, obvious meaning, not to explain. So then when the soul looks at its home, the home of the soul, the, our real home, home of the Jews, we focus on, on what, what, we're, what our purpose here is really about. It's not about me feeling good about what I'm doing. It's about what Hashem's goal to bring light to the world. I focus on that. Lechem Atzis Gives you alacrity and empowers you to, 
do the next good thing that Hashem wants you to do to tip the scale and make the world a better place. If you focus on you, then you get stuck, you get, you get heavy. But if you focus on what Hashem wants you to do, you focus on where you need to go, there's mistakes, everyone makes mistakes. What's novel about a Jew is you don't allow the darkness to let your candle be extinguished. There is darkness. What's unique about being a Jew is you don't let it get you down. You, sh- you think about what Hashem wants you to do and you show up with the good that you still have. Because you still have good. We're, we're, we have the soul, every one of us, and that's the idea.